Welcome to Cape and Ray Hall, nestled in the beautiful landscapes between England's national parks. As a Bible school, we offer short-term courses aimed at fostering your spiritual growth and living in a community. Our historic manor house has something for everyone. You can enjoy indoor and outdoor adventures, connect with students from around the world, and learn how to deepen your relationship with Jesus Christ. Search Cape and Ray England for more information. Lucas on Life. Hello and welcome to Lucas on Life. I'm Jeff Lucas. You're listening to Premier Christian Radio. The headlines in America this last week have carried the news that a long-standing broadcaster, Don Lemon, was fired. Mr. Lemon was sacked from his post at CNN's breakfast show this morning, which he co-anchored for about six months. Neither Lemon nor CNN offered a reason for the exit. Now, the media has speculated that the termination came as a response to comments that were made about Nikki Haley, the former UN ambassador and South Carolina governor, who has now announced that she's running for president. Don Lemon made a remark that Mrs Haley isn't in her prime. He said a woman is considered to be in her prime in her 20s and 30s and maybe her 40s. Lemon later tweeted his regret over the remarks, which he called inartful and irrelevant. On CNN's daily editorial conference call, he apologised to his network colleagues, calling his comments a mistake. Now, let me be very, very clear. I am not in any way defending sexist or ageist remarks. When people make offensive statements, they need to be challenged. Because although as children we learn that sticks and stones may break our bones but words will never hurt us, the reality is that words do bring hurt and damage. But I'm just wondering if in our so-called snowflake cancel culture we're also becoming addicted to being offended and the habit of endlessly calling for apologies but never actually forgiving in response to those apologies that surely has to be a problem. I'm just asking. So let's bring this down to where you and I live. Do we live on the edge of being offended? Are some of us just waiting for somebody to make a comment that is wrong just so that we can have the joy of correcting or even dismissing them from our lives? Tonight on Lucas on Life, let's talk about being offended and I hope you won't be offended. Stay with me. It's confession time for me. One of the ministers at our church really irritates me. He's probably a nice enough chap, but I'm finding his preaching rather boring, and he does preach quite a lot. Sometimes I groan when I know it's him again. I'm sure he works hard at sermon preparation, and he probably sincerely wants to impact people for God, and he tries really hard, peppering his talks with anecdotes and humour. But recently I got to the point where I decided that if I had to listen to him preach just one more time, I'd end up breaking something. The trouble is there's absolutely nothing I can do about it because the irritating preacher that I'm talking about is me. It's one of the drawbacks of a busy speaking ministry. I get to listen to myself quite a lot. When I'm home in Colorado, I hear myself preach the same message four times over in a weekend, the same outline, the same points, even the same spontaneous humour. 
It gets rather old, hearing me. Recently, I shared my frustration with my ever-patient wife, Kay. I preach so much, I get sick of the sound of my own voice, I muttered. She proffered a smile of quiet resignation, but her words didn't bring much comfort. Yes, darling, I understand completely how you feel. So it came as a welcome relief to go to a church and, for a change, hear somebody else preach. We decided to visit a local church that's from a denomination quite different from our own. There's no soft rock worship there, but the throaty tones of an ancient pipe organ. The smell of incense hangs heavy in the air, which presents me with the challenge of coughing reverently. And the minister has that sing-song parsonical voice. When it comes to style, it's Mars to my Venus. But as we made our way through the ancient porch, I whispered a note to myself. I love diversity. I've got so much to learn from Christians who express their faith in an unfamiliar style. Our differences are to be celebrated and respected. I've surely learned that, or so I thought. Slipping into an unyielding wooden pew, waiting for the service to begin, I suddenly realised that I was irritated with myself again, and I wasn't even preaching that day. To my horror, I discovered that I was already anticipating that I would bristle at what was about to happen. I'd surely tut-tut at the slightly out-of-tune organ. I'd be frustrated with that clerical voice, and I'd be definitely bored by the sermon, which I'd already decided would be desperately dull. I was warming up to be offended before the proceedings had even begun. What was wrong with me? The service began with a kind welcome, the singing got underway, and then it was time for the sermon, and I settled back and got ready to be frustrated by the tedium to come. But to my amazement, the talk, it was brilliant, accessible, biblical, and engaging. The minister spoke with clarity and confidence. It was just outstanding. But here's the part I'd really rather keep to myself. As we navigated our way through the final hymn, the organ pitch perfect, I realised that I was actually disappointed to not be disappointed. How sick is that? I'd gone to church that morning anticipating that I wouldn't like it, and then I felt slightly deflated because my prejudices had not been confirmed. I was offended because I had no reason to be offended. The service was over, we filed out, and I shook the minister's hand and thanked him for a wonderful sermon. There's a certain myopia that comes with a critical heart. We decide that we don't like somebody or come to a quiet negative conclusion about the church we attend, and then the filtering begins. When we see a fault, we zoom in on it, triumphantly holding it up as Exhibit A, evidence that proves that we're in the right, which is where we like to be. Or, like me, we book our tickets for a seat in the offended section well in advance. But then we ignore or minimise the good things that a person or a church does, or even bristle when someone we've tagged as suspect actually does something that's great. Yikes, we can't have that. It implies that we might actually be wrong. And so I'm back to being irritated with that minister at our church again, the one called me. And it's not just that I get to hear my voice a lot, but because I don't want a pompous, judgmental heart. This much is certain. If I hear me preach a sermon on being negative sometimes and critical, 
I'll be the first one in line to respond. Talking about being offended, I was recently offended while being mobile. Travelling to train by London, I decided to make the best use of time and prepare for this radio programme. Tiny fold-down tables are provided for the parking of laptops, tables that are meant to be shared, hence the source of my frustration. The man sitting opposite me was taking up about 67.2% of table space, leaving less for me, less than what I was entitled to, and I was quietly outraged. But there's more because this brazen table hogger placed a steaming hot cup of coffee on the table as well, taking up yet more space and then risking third-degree burns to yours truly if the juddering train should topple it. Now I was actually planning for that toppling, mentally rehearsing a withering speech should I end up being scalded. I was actually prophetically offended, planning a retort should something happen that is probably unlikely. But I'm not alone in my bristling, my offendedness, because, as I mentioned earlier, it seems that we're becoming a culture that has perfected the art of being offended. Our politicians and leaders often descend into acerbic jibing, which is a concern. Some years ago, Janet Street Porter wrote that we have become shouty Britain, and I fear that it's got worse since she coined that phrase. But ironically, Surely our verbosity is perhaps only matched by our fragility. Some time ago, Gary Lineker, he of footy and crisp fame, made a casual comment about his bald co-presenters, and they found it rather amusing. But then the complaints were made, which is staggering. And I say that as one with a hairstyle, which is a shrinking peninsula. I used to have Texas on the top of my head, but these days it's the Isle of Wight. A couple of days later, an American television host reported that young Prince George had taken up ballet and suggested that his interest in dance might not last long, which triggered rage among ballet lovers everywhere. They demanded an apology and suggested that she was guilty of bullying. Now, opinions may differ about the wisdom of her comment, but I think that those who suggest that we're becoming a snowflake society where everyone is perpetually offended, might have a point. Banter is part of our culture, especially in the realm of comedy. While there are some comedians who have no thought for people who genuinely suffer, I can think of one who makes sick jokes about children dying of cancer and starving people in Africa, and there's absolutely no excuse for that. But surely, we can go to the other extreme and take things too far. Some people seem to live their lives permanently camped on the brink of being offended. They probably got upset with the midwife who delivered them, irritated by entering the world only to begin life by having their bottom smacked. Offendedness can be weaponized. It can be used as a nifty ruse. Instead of stamping our feet and huffing and puffing with childish petulance, we employ the trembling bottom lip routine and cry that we're offended. And then when others dash to appease us, we become the victor while disguising ourselves as the aggrieved victim. Now, I want to repeat myself just to be absolutely clear. When people make unhelpful or unkind comments, they need to be called out. Too much verbal abuse goes unchallenged. I'm not suggesting anything different. I am suggesting that because we're all pendulums, 
reacting to something rather than being balanced, the reality is we need to think carefully before we huff and puff. That chap on the train, he wandered into seriously dangerous territory. He finished his coffee and so I was denied the opportunity to be scalded and thus be scalding, but he was inching his laptop yet further into my already minuscule table territory. I did huff and puff, thankfully, silently. Being offended, sometimes it's about territory and selfishness, and that's rather childish. Well, we've been considering the epidemic that seems to be sweeping our culture being offended, and, and looking back over the content of this programme, it's been quite a lot of confession negatively about me. But let's all of us ask ourselves, do we live just beneath our skin, waiting to be upset by something? Do we relish the opportunity to complain? Do we get irritated by small things that really don't matter? And then when we are irritated, do we rush to insist that God agrees with us in our opinions and preferences? When things change at our church, do we get offended just because they're different? Do we insist that things are done our way? Do we need to apologize for the way that we've acted? Let's ask ourselves the question, has being offended become one of our much beloved hobbies? See you next week. Lucas on Life.